This following podcast or resource, however you as a listener feel it arrives to you, is a collection of anecdotal references of phenomena that exist through the remnants and presences of everyday sonic utterances. I propose throughism as a way of speaking through rather than about these utterances and to think about the inexhaustible narrative possibilities that they have, as well as the slippages, disassociations and nuances that they may carry.
this beat is one of many. I know this from going to a few different churches, mostly black churches. This beat usually comes from the built-in drum patterns and electronic keyboards and organs in the absence of a larger band or ensemble. Many times members of the congregation will join in by beating their Bibles periodically to the beat, so the body also becomes percussive. On the note of the organ and electronic keyboards, these particular sounds form a foundation for many gospel or spiritual church choirs or affiliated outfits like quartets, quintets and whatever comes after quintet. So the choir is not necessarily only a form of performing outwards, but the choir functions as a storage mechanism. In the same way, DNA stores genetic material and a hard drive stores data. A choir sonically stores an array of knowledge, which is how we know gospel and spiritual songs spanning generations and generations and generations. They're not necessarily only to perform, but to be kept. Você precisa aprender inglês. Precisa aprender o que eu sei. o que eu não sei mais. o que eu não sei mais. Não sei. Comigo vai tudo azul. Contigo vai tudo em paz. Vivemos na melhor cidade da América do Sul. Da América do Sul. Você precisa, você precisa, não sei, leia da minha camisa, baby, 
Baby, I love you. Você precisa aprender inglês. Precisa aprender o que eu sei. E o que eu não sei mais. E o que eu não sei mais. Não sei. Comigo vai tudo azul. Contigo vai tudo em paz. Vivemos na melhor cidade da América do Sul. Da América do Sul. Você precisa. Você precisa. Não sei. Leia na minha camisa. Baby, baby, I love you. So, from the thing where teachers at school discouraged us to speak our home languages, our mother tongues, and being part of a generation that was constantly ushered to translate either for these teachers at school or for friends, I've come to really appreciate the refusal of translation. Not necessarily refusal as a fight, but refusal as a position that forces others to consider the infinite nuances which cannot be translated. And maybe refusal as an impetus for others to learn instead of expecting and unpacking in situations that have little capacity to understand complex epistemologies. There is this beautiful song by the Brazilian singer Gal Costa from 1969 called Baby. She sings it in Portuguese. And in it, she continuously satirically illustrates the context of Brazil in the years of its military dictatorship and what we need to know to do to understand Brazilian society at the time, such as having access to swimming pools, eating ice cream and knowing Roberto Carlos's music as a paradox to the political climate at the time. She then mentions that it is also known to be worthwhile to know English as a way to assert yourself like the Brazilian upper class at the time to maintain socio-cultural prestige. But yeah, I think we know this story. But at the end, she switches from Portuguese to English and sings the refrain, Baby, baby, I love you. Which could be seen as translating, mocking the classes system, or a deliberate slippage in order to convince non-Portuguese speakers to try and learn the song in Portuguese. And that's where Maria Inigo Clavo comes in, who, in her 2020 Eflux text, Traces, Signs, and Symptoms of the Untranslatable, states, Translation is a faulty tool for subordinating epistemological frames. But can there be any coexistence without an attempt at translation? Does any language have the resources to communicate without translating? Is translation, the need to transfer knowledge from one framework to another, really necessary? Might communication, affection, and healing be possible in other ways without fixation, nominalism, or transparency? Yeah, hey, I tried to learn the song in Portuguese, but it's really hard. Blip! And now, gestures in the key of... When you get overtaken in traffic... When you run out of petrol. When you miss your taxi stop. When the taxi driver doesn't hear you shout, after robot, for your stop. When your Uber cancels your trip. When you buy the wrong laundry detergent. When you are looking forward to making food, but one of the ingredients is moldy. When you knock over a glass of water after you've just mopped the floor. YouTube videos that come only in 144p 
YouTube videos that come only in 240p. YouTube videos that are blocked in your country. A film that you are looking forward to watch, but it doesn't have subtitles in a language you can understand. When there is a joke that starts off in English, but the punchline is in another language. When everyone is laughing, but you didn't catch the joke. When everyone is laughing, but you didn't catch the joke because it is in another language. Realizing you've been ripped off. When you have a job interview, but you forget something. When someone says, I hope this email finds you well, in an email. Being kicked out of an institution. When someone owes you money. When you owe someone money, but you can't pay them back, so you start having stress and a moral confusion. When someone hasn't done something you politely ask them to do. When someone hasn't done something you politely ask them to do because you secretly want them to pay you back. When you swear at someone. When someone swears at you. When someone swears at you and you want to cry. When your favorite sports team loses. When your favorite sports team wins, but then 10 years later the sports association says, no, that goal doesn't count because there was match fixing involved. When you forget to wash the dishes. When you have been asked why you didn't do the dishes. When you explain you hate washing dishes, so that's why you haven't washed the dishes yet. When your bank card declines. When the second card declines after the first one has declined. When the third card declines after the second card has declined. When you pull out a shopping membership card, hoping that it will work, then it declines. When someone cancels plans last minute. When you have to cancel plans last minute. When you need to comfort someone. When someone is going through some stuff. When you are going through some stuff. When you miss something. When you miss someone. When you lose something. When you lose someone. When something you bought was expensive, but if you had waited a week, you could have bought it on sale. When someone is being disrespectful. When someone insults you. When it's not a compliment but an insult. When your ego is attacked. When they say your hairstyle is from another decade. When they say your clothes are from another decade. When you have to hold someone accountable. When you are held accountable. When one love the kubulo is asked why he doesn't wear shoes. When you are lied to. When you lie. When you lie and are being interrogated about your lie. When no one believes your lie. When you get caught in your lie. When you are ashamed that you lied in the first place. When someone is annoying you. When you are annoying someone. When someone answers your rhetorical question. When you bought medium eggs when the recipe says you need large eggs. 
when you miss your friends when your friend gets a new friend when your guitar teacher cancels after your third lesson when someone plays better guitar than you when keeping it real goes wrong when you're trying to convince someone when someone is trying to convince you when you don't really understand something when you finally come around to understanding that thing that you didn't understand before This one time I had a job. I won't say what, but I was cleaning up at the end of my shift and I encountered a toenail clipping. It looked so odd amongst the rest of the fluff, paper, and floor remnants in the dustpan. I wondered why it had been left there by itself. I wondered where the other 9 toenail clippings were or maybe even the fingernail clippings. Or maybe that toenail was the only one clipped on that day. So See the nine toenails had not been cut and remained on the person's feet and the one toenail was in the dustpan. Who does it belong to? Does it need to belong? What is that toenail's journey while the other nails on that person's feet remain intact? Maybe it travels elsewhere and reminds someone else that it's time to cut their toenails. Anyways, I was thinking about the time that I was made aware that umbona, maize, milis isn't indigenous to South Africa, but was from what is now known as Mexico. Or that other time that I found out that the jacaranda tree also isn't indigenous to South Africa, but to South America. They say where Argentina is now. Or even that other time I found out that water hyacinth, which is actually indigenous to the Amazon basin, also in South America, is not indigenous to South Africa. It's so strange when these things that you think are local aren't. And the way in which they arrived, say through the Colombian exchange, later colonial impositions, seed dispersals, accidental migrations, etc., are very much outer local experiences. And also, there's a song, Suliram, sung by Mamiriam Mageba, which I was recently told is actually an Indonesian lullaby. Actually, she even says it in the introduction of a performance of it at Siswara Ken in France on the 18th of May, 1963. You can find the clip on YouTube. Apparently, she learnt it from the descendants of enslaved Malay and Indonesian people who were forcefully brought to South Africa by Dutch colonizers, and she learnt the lullaby while she was still in South Africa. By the way, her passport and her right to return to the country had been revoked by the apartheid government after she had been abroad for a while. So, yeah, it's it's weird because even with Mamiriam, she was very international, but something about her has this unmistakable feeling of being from home being at home and belonging to home. So I guess there's also something outer local about her migrations and also something outer local about the jacaranda plant and umbona and the water hyacinth. And I guess there's something outer local about her singing a lullaby from Indonesia. I think I need a pedicure.
doesn't have to be water per se, but anything that can take the form, less so the shape of a pause. Filing a visa application is a pause. Crying is a pause. Losing your wallet is a pause. Waiting for a kettle to boil tap water is a pause. Waiting for public transport is a pause. Reading Fred Moten is a literary and a theoretical pause. Composing yourself during a public humiliation is a pause. Loading airtime is a pause. Hoping your hiccups will end after that last <laughs> is a pause. Ugupapa is a pause. A puddle is a pause. Sweetly enough, jamming also functions as a pause. A pause to singularity, to placelessness, and to linear speaking and thinking. The band Tropical Tapwater, founded in 2020 in Amsterdam at the Rijks Academy van Beeldende Kunsten, consisting of Daniel Aguilar Ruvalcaba, Julian Toga Abraham, and myself, Simnigiwe Bulungu, uses sonic, textual, and visual jamming as a practice of navigating various spatial and socio-geographic locations, experiential narratives, languages, cuisines, and our coming from and through the global south where tap water largely needs to be paused through cleansing, purifying, boiling, before it can be consumed.